0: Well, I was actually, I was listening to Rogan on Donaher and Donaher on Rogan and yeah. which is a fantastic episode. If you guys haven't listened to it, great really perspective by a yeah. stupidly smart individual, but him mm-hmm. talking about how there's no one method. And do you get to that point at the, towards the end, he's talking about like, there's no one scientifically validated method. He doesn't teach performance because he said, there's no one thing that can increase everything. It's like, guys will find their niche. Guys will find what they want to do, but there's no good research Around what like types of programming that increases your grappling prowess, if you will. And while I don't think I don't think he's wrong, I think something that I always talk about with like just when I shoot the shit with people is I'm like, how much of this shit that people talk about when they're like, oh, like there's no research for that? Do we just know not know how to quantify it? Yeah, like well, a lot. Of, a lot of the times we like, I, how do you quantify grappling prowess? How do you quantify like actual translation into sport? Is it just wins? Because if you're just quantifying wins, then competition is the variable that needs to be, (laughs) that needs to be. You're you're going to hate
1: where I take this, but you know, that was my master's degree, right? Sociology of sport. And like, how do we study all this stuff? Um, But like, as of right now, like that's the highest valuable assessment, right? Is, did you win? Um, But I like your point, like, how do we know anything? Right? Because coaching in itself is a hugely dogmatic, traditional profession. Right, you know what you know because that's how you were coached, or that's how your your yeah. mentor coached, or that's how whoever you've been around coaches. is very traditional, very um, what, tradesman. It's like a tradescraft, right? Yep. But that's where like my master's degree and my mentors are doing some work to put some social, actual, like academic literature behind that stuff. Like as much as the traditional. Um, like ceremonial knowledge works in the coaching atmosphere, and sure it does. Um, are those practices there be- just because that's what we have, or are they actually there because that's what makes champions? Like, yeah. no, it's, there, it's dude. I say no it all the, that
0: I say it all the time. It's like metrics are just made up. There are metrics that you decided were a metric. A foot wasn't a foot until some dude in England decided to call it a foot.
1: Dude, um, right. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, taking it away from Strange Edition a little bit, is in uh, Avengers Infinity War. When uh, Thor says, we're going to Nividalir, and Rocket Raccoon looks at him and says, that word's made up. And Thor looks back, <laughs> he goes, all words are made up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they, dude, they are. Like, it was just, we as a collective, one dude's like, oh yeah, we should use this foot as the unit of measurement. I don't even know the history of feet. I'm sure it could be some super cool story, but no idea what it is. But they're like, probably, "Oh, this is this is a unit Roman of measurement Emperor
1: that says this is how big my foot is. This is the new unit of measurement because I am God." Right. <laughs> exactly. Like theocrats. Well, if we apply that to
0: what we're talking about here is like like what is a unit of measurement for grappling? What is it? Is it takedown ability? Is it ankle dorsiflexion to be able to get into a proper position? Is it ability to like ability to stabilize your control on top. So think about like a gyroscope is what I like when I'm riding well, on top, I'd say I have a gyroscope. Like, how do we quantify this?
1: Well, I mean, I guess like, um, being about traditionally practically it's belts, right? Like what belt are you, but that becomes less and less practical as you don't wear a gi, right? Like or, or things you're not traditional, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like you're no gi grappling um, right, or
0: just wrestling. There's no belts in wrestling
1: yeah it's, it's crazy like
0: people people dude people ask me all the time what do you say because people are like well what i've had people ask what belt are you in wrestling Or like how good are you at wrestling And i'm like i don't really know how the fuck to answer that like it's I'm funny good. too
1: because like people that wrestle will know like when i even like i tell them i wrestled a d3 college they're like well college wrestling college wrestling like don't matter you know like, right but yeah that's an interesting paradigm because the only way to rank yourself is but like who you beat who you lost to type of thing but there's so much more to it than that because within the who you beat who who beat you there's like matchups there's so many different uh factors and you know real world situations how how do you know
0: well right and then you oh, there's also like if you want to try to like quant i guess qu- quantify yeah quantify like wrestling like <sighs> there, that that whole black belt system that's great fine and dandy but everybody knows that there's different levels of black belts. I mean, and then there's obviously coral belt on top of that, right. but like there's the black belt that got it after 15 years of just rolling. And then he just stuck with it. And he's not that like, it's not that he's bad, it's but ceremonial. he's not going to beat. yeah, really. it's ceremonial. It's not what very well deserves. So, like I tell people, I'm like, I used, <laughs> I used to be good. Like,
1: yeah.
0: like not, I, the other thing that bugs me is when people talk about like, like I say oh yeah I wrestle I, I wrestle my whole life and they're like oh I wrestled
1: in high school I'm like shut the fuck up. yeah you don't know bro you're not about it
0: like because like I I sometimes I still get that just because of the people I'm around and who I wrestle with now like sometimes I still get that like oh when I have to tell people I wrestle D3 that little like uh
1: I don't know the word it's not kind of like uh condescending kind of a look or what
0: a little bit of con. not i was thinking just myself like i always i feel like the need to qualify it
1: yeah 100 Be- yeah. percent.
0: because like then i say like oh i wrestled I- i'm like oh i wrestled in wisconsin they're like oh you wrestle at uw and i'm like no nah, i wrestle at small school lacrosse on the border of minnesota all these different things and then they're like give me like a look and then i feel like i have to qualify myself so then i like break out i'm like well like I decided well, uh, I have to go into the whole like, oh, I decided academics are more important. I, in high, I took second in the country in high school. Like I have to like drop a little nuggets. Yeah,
1: and like it's exactly like you're saying, though, there's like there's a difference, though, because like that guy that like if you're just having a conversation with somebody, there's that guy that wrestled in high school. And like, sure, like that's experience and you have some type of like grappling knowledge. But then like I get my hands on you and like, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is not just if, a high school wrestling guy, you know?
0: Right. It's and it's cool. Like, that's another thing is because like so many people, like I say, like, oh, oh I wrestle D3 and then we get on the mat and I just I, I mean, no disrespect to who I'm talking about, but I just fucking work people because no, I, once like, I, like once I get on top, my game is basically like top pressure in MMA wrestling. Like that's yeah. my whole fucking game.
1: And like this happened to me all the time. It's like, you, you fake people out with a white belt, right? Like I was a white belt for like the <laughs> first the six most months. Fun. I did, yeah. I did jujitsu <laughs> and everybody's like, Oh, whatever. Blah, blah blah." And like, you go with somebody and like, and then you start turning it on a little bit or whatever. And they're like, you're not a white belt or whatever. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, dude, my favorite,
0: my favorite was we were doing like, it was like an open mat at the gym that I coached at. In Port, and this dude, I think he, he's either purple or Brown. Um, and we, we were rolling, and he just knew I was a wrestler. Didn't like he, but I was a white belt. He's like he had heard about me that I would just wrestle mm. a little bit, and we started on the feet. And I fucking arm through him. I, <laughs> I arm through him almost out of the room. Hey. And he's like, "Oh, white belt, huh?" I'm like, "Yeah, sorry." Dude,
1: takedowns are so <laughs> like I want. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just wanna I wanna have an actual like dedicated like takedown or like wrestling class anymore because takedowns in jujitsu just don't feel as good.
0: Well dude Donaher actually talks about that in the, the Rogan talk too which is awesome. T- which I appreciate because he wants to innovate. He doesn't want to just yeah. transition wrestling takedowns into jujitsu. He thinks that it's a more effective way to th- innovate and, and try and, to get people down with jujitsu.
1: And that's the that's the the overarching philosophical philosophical like thought that he has that's like that's that's the what makes him him right or that was what makes anybody great is they have these innovative ideas they don't have these i'm going to survive or get to the top of the mountain he's like i'm going to make the mountain bigger right so yeah that's that's a different level of thinking there but um but yeah to your point i was doing an open mount mat as well and this was back i was at, i was at not a great gym that qualified my skill so they had me in the like beginner classes and we did start on your feet. And all you had to do was get a push out. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I, was I, I just got a, underhooks on somebody. I picked them up and walked them out of the circle. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I kind of looked at the instructor. was like nodding my head. And he's like, oh. Okay. Um, but I want to go back to what you're saying about, like, how do we measure this shit? Like, what's the qualification or what's the objective measurement of it? Like, I don't have a problem that there's no measurement of it, though, because this is how it has to be to have an evolving society to have an innovative front is practice needs to be ahead of research. And, for sure. like, and I think that's how it is for the most part. Like, even in the like Soviet Union, where we stole all of our exercise science from, they use practice to inform their research. Right. Yeah, so like practice
0: driven research.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to be knowledgeable about a topic. You have to know what came before you. You have to like do your due diligence and be good at your job. But at the end of the day, if you're not innovating through practice and, and pushing the envelope to see what could be better or trying to evolve your game, then you're, you're behind the eight ball. You're not, you know, making difference. You're not building on whatever the, the shoulders of giants, that type of talk. But one of the best ways that I've heard it was, uh, Clint Wattenberg at the UFC told me, he's like, we're too progressive here to be evidence-based. Yes. like, yeah. there's a lot going on in the nutrition and, and dietetics. And he's like, but we're too progressive. We're changing the game every week at these events. We're making it happen. He's like, we have to be evidence-informed. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we have all that knowledge in our pocket, but we need to push the envelope and keep going forward with it.
0: Right. No. And that's, that's funny because that was a big part of my schooling where like, what my, what Western States, the Cairo school that I went to, what we're known for is being the diagnosticians of Cairo. Like that's where the most evidence based school out there, but that sacrifices, I think personally, some of what we're taught as far as on the treatment side of things on the actual practice side of things. So that's where like me being with motion palpation Institute and learning through them and and through all the different DNS and the soft tissue courses and all these different things, where you learn to become evidence informed, and that's something that's so preached and 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 talked about in the MPI and lit- the MPI courses, and, and that little click that you need to look at the research, you need to know the research. But if all you're doing is what's supported in the research, then you're probably leaving stuff on the table. If you're not testing boundaries, if you're not willing to put yourself out there and say, "Hey, I think this works based off of this," and make those logical gaps then you're leaving actual potential on the table.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a, a finesse to that point or a uh, nuance there. Like, because especially in strength conditioning, the cool thing now is to say, like, we didn't even talk about programming your actions and those. We talked about being a coach. We talked about <laughs> like the art of coaching and blah, blah. blah. And like, yes, that stuff has right. been neglected for all so long. All right, Brett. And yeah, no, this stuff's been neglected for so long and it needs to be forward in our thought and it needs to be brought up, but like, you still got to know the X's and O's. So you still have to do your due diligence and not just, you know, create programs on the fly, not just, you know, this exercise looks good or this is a good Instagram exercise. Like you still need to do your due diligence and have that knowledge, which I feel like with strain condition, probably not so much with chiropractic, but with strain condition is like, has kind of gone by the wayside. Right. Because, you know, how many, I don't know. And it, it gets into the stupid game, I think on Instagram, where it's like who can trash on whose program more, like whatever. But at the same time, like put a logical, good coherent program in front of your athletes, period.
0: Well, right. I feel like we get caught up in minutia a lot. And yeah. like to, like with strength, strength conditioning, but that all, I mean, what you're saying does apply to, to healthcare as well. And to my whole other side of the spectrum, like there's a big thing right now, like I'm sure you've heard of pain science and all that yeah. that whole train and shit like that but the big thing right now for the last like 2 to 3 years has been trying to eliminate the words trigger points. Everybody's like, "Oh, what's a trigger point?" Like there's no trigger points if we because like if you do a cadaveric study and yeah, it's the body's dead, there's no little nodules of
1: of taut tissue. Well, there's a tight as fuck point in my trap right underneath my uh, neck, so Maybe right, But so, uh, I'm, I'm getting
0: there, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's something that I've always, I've always thought is I'm like, are we really fucking hung up on the fact that we're calling it a trigger point, not a painful, highly sensitive hyperalgesic area that is due to random neurologic tightness or whatever it may be is what people are trying to say. It doesn't well, fucking matter what we call it at the end of the day. It really doesn't. It matters well, that we know what it is. We know how to make it a little bit better. And then we continue on that path until that
1: shit is gone. Well, to counter the point too, like there's no evidence of this in a cadaver or whatever. Like what if you die rigor your happens? And then all the stimulus is gone anyway. And then you just get mushy muscles. There's no, tension because there's no nervous impulse going like
0: a hundred a hundred percent like what i what when i talk about this topic to people that either ask or don't ask like this where i just (laughs) randomly go on (laughs) on tangents about it but like talking about
1: cadavers at dinner
0: uh well lucky enough that my fiance is also a cairo (laughs) so yes we better.
1: by the way she's better than austin so if you need yeah she actually care she actually is she's She's fucking great. Last time I was getting treated by her, she says, she says, tuck your chin and look down. And so I I did this and then she goes, no, tuck your chin and look down. And I was like, that's as far as it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, just letting people. What? Exactly. Yeah. My neck sucks.
0: (laughs) But trigger points. I'm going back to my point.
1: All right, go ahead. I'll zone out for the next 20 minutes.
0: All right, perfect. So like trigger points are literally just neurologic tension, right? It doesn't have to be a bundle of muscle tissue, that's, that's, I guess, bundled up isn't the same word, but it is just a neurologic expression, expression of tightness. You can change trigger points by exercise. You can change trigger points by doing manual work. You can change trigger points with a needle. You can change trigger points with fucking adjusting somebody because of the reflexive stretch that occurs. But at the end of the day, we need to know that, Hey, the, the biggest concept of trigger point is referred pain. Hey, this is really tight. Talking about a trap, your traps really tight You have that headache. Those two things are correlated. I don't fucking care if there is an actual bundle of tissue there. All I care about is that we know that the chicken came before the egg. The tension came before the headache. So why am I going to just put ice on the back of your fucking head to relieve the headache? Why don't I actually go after the neurologic expression of tension that's causing the headache?
1: Well, that was our whole last... Podcast right was the symptom or the cause or yeah
0: yeah it was the hamstring tension episode
1: so same same type of deal like when you're looking at at muscles like the the other thing that I think gets overlooked too is your your whole body is super like plastic in nature right so like anything that you're getting tied on or anything that's like chronically bothering you it's due to a behavior that you do chronically right so it's not just we talked about not coming out of nowhere it's not like my neck is tight. Because I just am this way, my neck is tight because I wrestled for 20 years, I've been rolling jujitsu, because I sit at a desk or I sit on the couch with poor posture like those, those are the things that I do chronically. Those are the things that hurt my neck like so there's not a, a out of the blue symptom. Right, there's always a behavior that precedes that, and that's where we can get to, into actual change. And that's where like strength and conditioning comes into play, where it can make the biggest difference is that we retrain some movement patterns or we get stronger in areas that we weren't strong, or that we open up some areas through an active range of motion. Like the chronic stimulus, and that's why we the biggest thing, strength and conditioning is consistency, right? It's because that chronic um, exposure is what creates the change, right? So, mm-hmm. I just I think that we, we lose sight of that. We say like this thing hurts, let's fix this thing. But really it's this behavior makes this happen. Let's change the behavior or let's suffer with the behavior if it's necessary. Well, yes, exactly. Because another episode, high performance
0: isn't always healthy, which I suffer through
1: Austin, but he's necessary to this business. It's true. It's true. I understand. Whatever.
0: I suffer through the awkward phase of my hair in order to get a luscious flow within the next you're, month
1: you're never gonna catch up dude i'm gonna get the best flow dude you're gonna cut it before your wedding because you get super insecure 100 i think
0: no no i've let it go this far this is the longest it's ever been
1: i know you got a little curly cues in the back huh i
0: know starting to, not starting on my to level waddle, a little bit now it'll it'll get going my hair just gets super thick you ever get it thinned yeah. out no nope. no oh i'm not an idiot
1: I um, want to get, get back to the, the Thor, the Thor flow it's yeah. gonna jam.
0: Well, for my wedding, I'm going to look like Iron Man. So there we go. <laughs>
1: You're going to cut the goatee and everything.
0: Fuck. Yeah. Sort of goatee. <laughs> Hopefully I can grow a beard by then. I don't know if that'll change in the next 130 days, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> shave against the grain, man.
0: Can I just put just for men just on my face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're a pathetic excuse for human. <laughs>
0: Uh, what the fuck yeah. else you got? We, we, you said list five list five things. Alright,
1: here's one. something that's way out of your comfort zone. And I want you to actually talk about it. Don't just avoid you motherfucker. Um, what do you think about intermittent fasting? Uh,
0: Alright. Intermittent fasting. So, god, there's so many bad put me on the spot here. Alright, let me let me give you bad. some no, context fine. Here. No, I got it.
1: No, I want to give you some context because I'm, right. I'm, I'm asking, one, as a general informational thing, but two... Cause I've started doing it. Yeah. And
0: Well, I don't care if you do it. You're not a elite performing athlete. Absolutely. That that's, like a, tuned that's
1: part of the part of the thing. But the other part of the thing is in like the last six weeks, I lost 12 pounds. Yeah. No,
0: I fast personally, again, also not a finely tuned athletic specimen that needs proper rehydration and refueling. I'm a fat piece of shit that helps make people pull stronger and feel better. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So It's one of those things like intermittent fasting has its place, right? It definitely does. Fasting is a tried and true. I, I tell everybody like it stood the test of time. If something's been around since literally we had our books written and it's still being used today, maybe we can't, again, going back to the first topic, quantify everything it does. But we fucking know that it works. It makes humans feel better. It causes us to decrease weight. It causes us to be healthier right
1: so it stood the test of time but so Austin, you're a doctor and you need objective values and academic research to prove your point don't you i would say you probably don't in some cases all right i would, thank God. I would Ooh, say that if all hey. we is,
0: i would say that is if all we use is our numbers that we've taken I mean, out you're the human stepping
1: element. into the social science i know The it's not even fucking science it's <laughs> fine <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I don't really count then, huh? <laughs> my master's of the arts is something I have to qualify, right? You you're really good at art. <laughs> I can't begin to explain how ignorant that is.
0: But no, I, I like so- social studies; is my favorite
1: subject. Shut your mouth! <laughs> <laughs> Such an idiot. But no, like you said, stand, stand the test time. I think you know, and like again, strength and conditioning coaches know as much nutrition as you need to know, right? Like if you're at a D3 school and there's no nutritional support, you have a certification and do the best you can. Sure. And with that podcast with Christina, we talked so much about staying in your lane and all this uh, great information, but so many different roles have been thrust on strength and conditioning coach, especially in the university setting, because that's how it is. That's how much support the athlete has, but you know, I, back to my point Shane, because she's like to simplify things down we think about calories in versus calories out intermittent fasting is a really easy way to put some brackets on your time frames to reduce the calories in like that's the only reason it's worked for me like i stopped eating breakfast i stopped snacking mid-morning i don't eat lunch now until noon or one is usually the first thing i eat and like it's reduced my caloric intake Therefore, uh, changing the equation of calories in versus calories out. I a hundred percent think that's the only reason it's changed my body mass.
0: Well, for sure. Well, and I mean, like we, we learn about it in school. Like I know it's surprising to everybody that I learn about nutrition, but like we, we have, uh, the, the, uh s- seven or eight different nutrition classes. And then an extra two, if you did the sports med masters, so 10 oh. different.
1: Bro, I got that UWL sports nutrition minor in my degree, man. (laughs) Exactly. But like, it's one of those things
0: like for a general population, I'm, I know enough to help, right? I know enough to be able to make you feel better. I know enough that like, like with intermittent fasting to bring it back to this topic, like if you do certain caloric restrictions, right. And on caloric intake, there is going to be an increase in your growth hormone factor. That, that does happen. If you go from having no food, causing an increase or causing that no food, then causes an increase in the hormones that then create an increase in growth hormone factor. So that does occur, but it's one of those things that for a athlete, that's where you need to, like, realistically, you should probably punt everything in the first place. But if you're in, like, if you're in a smaller town or you're the only person in the area, obviously do what you can to help, right? Because not everything can be done remotely. So I know enough to help a somebody like me. I don't know enough to be the main dietit- dietetic advice for somebody like Kamuela, who just got in the UFC.
1: But at the same time, we know enough to say that you shouldn't intermittent fast if you have a high intensity workout at six a.m.
0: Well, I know enough to be able to. Well, yes, <laughs> I was going right to my point because I had it on the top of my head. You want to forget? I'm like, yes, I do know enough to say that. <laughs> but I know enough to be able to pick up on bullshit too though. And that's what I, honestly, that's what I use most of my nutrition knowledge for is I know enough to know when a fad, when a fad diet's a fad diet, or I know enough to see if something that one of my fighters is doing or what one of their nutritionists is having them do is good enough to go or good enough to help them to their goals. Right. That's, that's where I use my nutrition knowledge. I don't use it as giving a program. So to yeah, say.
1: that, and I don't think, I don't know that you necessarily need the academic rigor or like the knowledge to have that bullshit detector though. Like I feel like even the athlete knows like whether or not like this is sound nutrition or is this just what this person is doing to get by? And, and I yeah, mean, that yeah. goes well beyond nutrition. Like Bro, there's some
0: charismatic fucking people out there. Yeah. Especially just look you know. at functional patterns. Look at naughty. He's look. he's working with Kyle Dake purely based around his personality. I mean, don't get me wrong for all the FP fuckers out there. FP has its merits, but every time he puts up an x-ray study, I want to just shoot him because he never uses the same vertebra. And it's an old Cairo trick that literally got us yelled at for hundreds of years or hundred years. But, (laughs) but there's people that are so charismatic that it like people can be easily tricked by charisma, right? That's, that's why people are scam artists. Like, because they're so charismatic, they can get people to do whatever. So, I can, I, I'm pretty good at talking my way out of paper bags. Like, if I wanted to, I can talk my way out of a paper bag all day and just talk a whole bunch of bullshit. And there's a lot of people that are way better than it at me, or at it than me. So, yeah. if you get somebody that wants to be a fight dietitian or a fight nutritionist, because you can't be a dietitian without uh, education, but want to be a fight nutritionist, but they're just super charismatic and they read one book, they might be able to, to take over a whole region yeah
1: but i mean yeah charisma is like,
0: a hell of a thing
1: but i i don't know i i guess innately i'm just skeptic of skeptical of everything and like it, it begs the question too like and i mean this is a whole different argument but like does the athlete perform in spite of or because of like yeah because i mean you think about it and like and then it digs even deeper and i have this fucking thought going on in my head at least like once or twice a week it's like does what we do even matter you know no, like, no i mean yeah i think about that because like There's a fine line there, like just like we were doing earlier when we were building out our uh, a program. You know, we were uh, debating back and forth where where we should put the high intensity circuit. Where should we put this? You know, aerobic training on the same day, on a different day, like. And then we even both came to the same conclusion: it doesn't matter as long as they get the exposure to the stimulus. You know, like. But like so in in that realm, like it's a fine line between does this detail matter or does the whole program matter? Like because it's I think it's important that you believe in your strength and energy program, and it's important that you're consistent at it and that you're performing this, the specific corrective exercise, the you know the the exact timing of the workouts, the you know, sequencing, like you don't, I don't, again, does that, those small details matter? Well,
0: I mean, a lot of people, like I've seen a trend recently where a lot of people are doing a, like almost like a various stimu- or varying stimulus approach where there's like, sure. and I don't, I don't necessarily advocate for this, but I've seen successful trainers talking about how they don't even have any, any, uh, backbone at all. They just, it's the CrossFit model workout of the day. And you're just doing completely different workouts every single day. And that repetitive, you're just getting completely wide variety of or a, a wide variety of
1: stimulus, and people are still getting better. Right, like no. doesn't matter. You know, like like I, I again, I don't want this can be be construed the wrong way. Like strength conditioning coach, like I strongly believe in exercise science and everything that that it should be progressed. And there's principles, but. Like beyond those principles, what really matters? Like, there's a progressive overload. There's a consistency. There's the said principle. There's, you know, these super foundational principles that everybody should adhere to. But like, does it, like does the specifics matter? And like forever and always, like the collegiate football strength and conditioning model or whatever. Like, where you stand matters. Like, do you count your jumping jacks? That matters. Whatever details matter. Blah blah blah. But do they? Like, no. Like those ones oh, and, don't like, doesn't well, then on top matter of all people.
0: of this. Any N equals one. Yeah. <laughs> like it might, the details might matter to me and might not matter at all to you because I, for whatever reason, had an increased rate of uh, production or an increased rate in um, ability to learn, to retain what's going on. So it all depends on the individual athlete in front of you. The same program could work really fucking well for Alex, but because of the way that I perform or the way that I wrestle, or the way that I fight, it doesn't work as well for me.
1: Well, yes. Jumping back. That's something that Donna here talked about as well. Like, and again, I don't know. You know I was questioning in my head is like, is he ignorant to the strength and conditioning thing? Or is he purposely like shying away from it? Because he didn't address like strict first pers- uh, strength and conditioning type of protocols. But like he referred to it as like physical attributes, and skills right and you yep. put those two yeah. things kind of juxtaposed but like the physical attributes something that he said was like you're relatively stuck with those like and yep. and to a degree i i agree with that but again you can make progress on them like that's why well, you and me have a job right strength is a
0: skill like that's when you start thinking about those attributes as skills right that's yeah. something that uh Pavel talks about a whole bunch and yeah. in, in his strong first stuff is Strength, it, we got to stop looking at strength as this separate category. It's just another skill. That's why like, I tell everybody, I'm like, hey, that's why it's one of the little bars on Mario Kart. It can go up and down. It's a fucking skill. The same as agility is a skill. The same so, that so let's ability get into that to wrestle so is a skill.
1: If strength is a skill and you think about like a one rep effort on a deadlift, right? There's a lot of skill yeah. that goes into that. Right. What's uh, the at least I fucking hope so. What's the physical carryover that it fucking matters to wrestling then?
0: I, Person, I mean, I think it's we're strengthening the body in a specific range of motion that we know is going to be similar, or it's going to those attributes that you're gaining from the deadlift, so hip drive, the ability to handle a large amount of load on your trunk, which is you I think said it was
1: specific, and it's a skill to being strong for like, sure. It's a but there's skills skill to there's, lifting a human body. Hundred percent, but there's still skill transference, right? Right. I mean, that's like, it's just that's like your when, you, when you do a study and I, I, I guess when I don't you do really a
0: bicep have. curl on the right side, it's still strengthening the left side. Like yeah. it's that that same thing too, where it's uh, it's cross training. Yeah. And that's what I think is the biggest benefit of strength and conditioning is the for MMA in particular is the cross training aspect of it that you're able to do. The other thing I like about SNC like the way that it transfers over to, uh, I guess, skill or to skill practice, quote unquote, to use a pun on what we call regular MMA practice is that it's, there's less variables. The cool yeah. thing about strength and conditioning is that I can boil it down to a specific set of variables versus when you're in practice, it's an entire system. So if I notice that there's something that isn't working in their full total arsenal of rest, then I can isolate the variable and specifically train that in
1: the weight room. Yeah. I like that approach. Uh, And I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate too, like to try and dig deeper. Like we have the transfer uh, of training to sport. Like I I agree with that, but I don't know, man, I think it's marginal. I think so many strength and conditioning coaches, and I don't think it's the fault of their own. I think it's the culture of training and of becoming a strength and conditioning. You have to like go whole hog into it, right? Like, there's no like casual successful strength and conditioning coaches. No. But like, they s- get so deep into this training is gonna be the best for you. This is the extra ten percent that puts you over the top. This is the the what champions do. Blah blah blah. It's like, bro, settle down doesn't fucking matter.
0: That's, that's the same to me. That's the exact same thing that you do. Like when we qualify or have to qualify when that we were D3 wrestlers, it's like, you have to qualify why you're worth what they're paying you or why you're, why you're worth time in their week. And you have to like, it's almost like you're over it. Like it's literally the same situation as I wrestled D3, but in high school, I did X, Y, and Z. And like, I I was a D G1 recruit, stuff like that. You're doing the same thing when you say, Oh, like I think you should be training three times a week because it's gonna be that thing that sets you over the edge. It's gonna be the thing that makes you climb the mountain, all these different yeah. aspects. Cause you have to you feel like you have the need to justify why they're doing extra time. Right. When in reality, what's strength and conditioning good for? Cross training. So getting you off the mat and still working out attributes and injury prevention. Those are the yeah. two those are the two biggest benefits of strength and conditioning for MMA fighters
1: right and and again there's a logical way to do that and an illogical way to do that like like you bring up the cross training part or like people doing like crossfit and wads like you could raise the argument like that why doesn't every mma guy just do crossfit as well because there's yep. a better way to do it right there's there's what we do which is like the sports performance training and has some type of scientific structure and uh research behind it and we think is forward, excuse me, which is forward thinking and knowledgeable, but like that's, I guess the the cornerstone of our practice is that we're doing it better or we're doing it more informed than just throw this cross training in.
0: For, well, yeah, because you got to know this. The reason why I don't think everybody should just hop on into a CrossFit class because that's such open-ending programming and you're getting a wide variety of stimulus is, because you want something that's going to be tailored to you and you want something that you know is going to have a progression upwards. Even though it's like sports science, I think the thing that bites sports science in the ass a lot of the times as far as research and people like saying, oh, there's valid research in the field, is that it's so new. We don't like. We don't really think about like sports science. Exercise and sports science is not even a century old, as far yeah. as like legitimate le- legitimate studies on it. It's about seventy five years old. So we're trying to do longevity studies. Like right now, we're processing the first longevity studies. <laughs> like yeah. it, we still haven't gone through the entire first generation of highly qualified strength and conditioning coaches. Think about like Mike Boyle, Mike Boyle isn't even retired yet. He's one of the, he's one of the OGs and he's still out there fucking kicking it. And he's changed up the way he's trained from the beginning to now. But because of how new the field is, it's hard for people that are coming from hard sciences to say, Oh, there's a clear path forward because they don't understand all the variables that you and I make a difference, but because we can't legitimately quantify them yet, to suffice a hard science person like John Donaher for example that he says that there's not quality evidence supporting the fact of these X Y and Z having proper periodization having proper programming all these different things and proper yeah. is a proper is a loose term right yeah because we do know the other thing on top of all of that is like there are two ways to skin a cat like two people with two completely different programs could actually get a very similar Dose response for that athlete, right? And it all depends on how that. A lot of it depends on how the message is conveyed by the coach, right? Because we know that in person, the conveyment or conveying and the way that you say something matters a lot more than the words that actually come out of your mouth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like that's circling back to that's being a coach, right? That's like like one of the first experiences I had with a collegiate rugby team, I, I wrote a program and not everybody can make every day or whatever. So I sent the PDF out into our group chat, I was like PDF, here's our program. Like, if you can't make it, like try and get into the gym, do it yourself. Blah, blah blah. One, they probably wouldn't have got, or didn't get the same quality out of the workout because they weren't in the weight room with us, blah, blah, blah. But one of the coaches brought it up to me is like, aren't you concerned that that program is going to be out there now? And like, you know, your program is going to like potentially be spread around. And <laughs> I was like, Like one, you're not getting the same product. Like it may be written down on paper, percentage, rep set schemes, whatever. It may be written down exactly similar. Like that's cool. You're not going to perform it how I would coach it. You're not going to be in the same environment. You're not going to get the same type of work that you would, should you be in the weight room during our session 2 let's fast forward six months from now, if you're still doing that program six months from now. Like one, you haven't progressed a whole lot. Two, if I'm not onto better stuff, I'm not new doing my job, developing myself to yep. change. So it's like this—I don't know—this disconnect this between here's a program versus here's an actual, you know, product of a coach, right? And that was my mm-hmm. that was my crux with online coaching for such a long time, but. Again, I think there's been leaps and bounds uh, that have been done to facilitate that 100% better. Like like the software that we use, like the video explanations, like all this other stuff. Like I think you can do that to a or a uh, acceptable level nowadays. Where earlier on, I was like, I can't do a good job coaching. Why would I do that? You know?
0: Right. Well, and on on top of all of that, like a a plan is still better than no plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: I, and most people know, but I know myself personally, like I do a lot better when somebody else is programming for me than when I try to do my own program <laughs> because I never do the shit I don't find in my own program. You know, the last time that I have back squatted was probably four years ago because I yeah. fucking hate back squats. I like front squats and I like goblet squats or uh, front rack squats, whatever, or like with a kettlebell, whatever it may be, but I don't put weight on my shoulders because I don't I don't fucking want to do it.
1: Does it fucking matter?
0: Uh depends on what my goals are. It does okay. if I'm trying to increase bone density and add weight onto my back squat. Well, it does it doesn't if I'm just trying to be a healthy human.
1: That's a hard debate though because like I would argue that no it doesn't matter if you front squat, back squat, goblet squat, whatever. The difference is the absolute loading. Like we can put uh, you're going to get a lot stronger and we can put a lot more weight on the back squat, right? But like where does yeah. that absolute capacity need to be? You know, because like, if I can't back squat more than like 150 pounds I need to work on that capacity. Right. Right. But if I can back squat 400 pounds, I don't think there's a problem with, you know, training the other modalities because we don't need that other one. So it's like, I don't know, that's the give and take between like the physiological and physical adaptation versus the like skill and um, opportunity or like versatility. Like when you get stronger, you get more versatile. Like, because yep. again, because once I have that back squat high enough, I can pick a different type of squat. I don't have to right. limit myself to the back squat, but if you're not strong enough, you need to get stronger. How are you can do that? There's different ways to, to skin that right. cat, there's, but there's, there's a there's better a ways than way than others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, for sure. And that, I mean, that comes into like the difference between programming. This was something we were going to talk about before is the difference between programming for a, like a me or you. And the difference in programming for an elite athlete, right? If we're programming for a weekend warrior, there's a lot more variety. What? Not I guess not varieties, right? Well, the variety is the right word. There's a lot more ways to accomplish those goals, yeah. right? you can do a lot of different things because in reality, it doesn't really matter the specific exercise. It matters that they're covering the most distance possible and they're covering the the widest spectrum possible to still be in line with their goals, right? Versus for a finely tuned elite athlete, like there's certain times we need to peak. There's certain times we need to be able to deload. There's certain, I mean, you should deload for the most part with everybody, but (laughs) But for an athlete, it's extremely important. Like you need to deload a little bit. You need to peak at a certain time. You need to do all X, Y, and Z that make them feeling the freshest and the best on fight day or on match day Mm -hmm. for a regular person. Unless they have a specific date, like, Hey, they're doing a marathon. It's a lot more important that you just make them increase their sustainability and make them healthier and live longer. Cause that's why people train unless, unless you're an elite athlete, that's why the fuck you should be trained
1: just a little longer. Yep. Stay, stay athletic and I don't know for the fun of it. Like that's why I play rugby. That's why I do jujitsu. It's fun.
0: Yeah. I might, I actually, I'll say it here first. It's going to be announced on the podcast. I might get back into wrestling a little bit.
1: Oh yeah. You're going to pull the old Nelson Baker.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's actually, he's, he's the driver behind it. I thought about, I was just rolling a little bit recently and I've been thinking about, I'm like, Hey, maybe, maybe I could come back and do just a, three or four greco tournaments this year just see
1: Cool. i'm playing some rugby games i want to do jiu-jitsu competition
0: yeah i know that was the other
1: very that that was the other thing i was thinking
0: about just jumping into is jiu-jitsu but i never i've personally never gotten a stop sign for freestyle or greco like kind of like a nelson was saying
1: Mm -hmm. where he's
0: he's never had a stop sign and i'm like I'd, i'd like to go out there and get one of those or at least try just to see if I can,
1: maybe because even
0: one? not not in Fargo. No, I the um, only time you know, I national I t- scene. Well, I took so I took second in folk style, but I took fucking the year the year that I probably would have, where I was projected to be close to at least placing, is the year that I snap yeah <laughs> snapped my wrist first match. Yeah, sucks. So I, I had like one great like I had won the regional tournament or whatever. I don't know which one it fucking was. Right. I was going in but yeah. before
1: we get too down the reminiscent rabbit hole.
0: I know I could talk about this shit forever. Those are know.
1: the glory days, dude. That's the conversations I always skipped out in college. It's like who wrestled who? I know this guy. You know this guy. Whatever this year. Blah blah blah. I know this wrestler. I'm, man, I was just not. I wasn't on that scene, and I wasn't about it. I just I love. It's a small world, way. and I appreciate the I appreciate the, the the camaraderie or the unity that everybody gets from it. Like I take pride and say that I'm a wrestler, but yeah, I never got on the like I don't know. Well, I just who, like who wrestled who type of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, I like that type of stuff just because that's, I mean, it's just like history. How this you point. connect with people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's how I was able to connect with a lot of people just in the sport, but also like the being from Illinois is different. And like, I know you didn't wrestle a whole bunch of freestyle Greco because you were a multi-sporter, but like. The Being on Team Illinois going to Fargo, knowing you were about to whoop everybody, every other state in the country's (laughs) ass, knowing that you're the people when you walk into the arena and people like, oh, fuck, there's that. Like being a part of that culture and having that culture not only be the bad, the the baddest motherfuckers in that tournament, but also being on the team that probably had the most fun out of every other team on that tournament. It's something that I've always aspired to recreate with the teams that I coach as well as the businesses that I have, yeah. because it was It'd an environment good. that I looked forward to. I literally looked forward to all four times I went because it's it was, really it, was awesome. it was, it was one of the best times of the, of the weekend or yeah. of the year. Realistically, one of the best weekends of the year
1: Yeah, for or just sure.
0: week seven days. But yeah, like it's, it's cool. But anyways, let's not reminisce. I don't I don't need to talk about Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> Start, <laughs> fucking, fucking getting sympathy <laughs> pains <laughs> in my wrists <laughs> and shit.
1: All right. That's podcast today. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. So if you guys let us know, um, review this, actually leave a comment on the promo that we do on Instagram. If you like these bullshit sessions, please, please let us know because we've been pretty structured up until this point, but this is something that we might want to start throwing in there. Just almost even maybe having like a fan question episode, uh, stuff like that where we, I know we need fans first.
1: What do I know? But doing doing
0: stuff like this, which Mm -hmm. a little bit more loosely, uh, a little bit more loosely, I would say, structured so as always please like share subscribe do all the cool shit that allows us to talk to more people and talk to your friends because all we want to do is be friends with your friends that's all that matters in life as well as please if you got to get in contact with us all of our information is in the show notes go to the website we have the low back program is launched as well as custom team programs Um, we have a custom individual program and phase one of building a fighter that we have going so all of those programs are already launched we also have free resources that are available for you i don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean i
1: don't know i'm just messing around Uh, so you're off which i did
0: so uh, um he was miming since we don't have video he was miming different hand signals (laughs) he looked like he was in fucking naruto um but so please get in contact us with us if you need anything or go to the website and actually a lot of the resource actually a lot of the questions we get are actually in resources that we've created for you guys so questions could be answered there um please listen and right. share let's
1: go play Rocket league <laughs>
0: all right all right Thank you everybody. Later. dr austin shane alex freeman and we are out